Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Oh, sunlight, the most precious gold to be found on Earth. Welcome to Solar Festival's Litha, the 47th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 21st century novelist and poet, Roman Payne. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. So we have 16 kittens. Good golly, Miss Molly. We love you, kittens! <laughs> Our cats are Amber, Kathy D, Cindy Bark, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Marcella M, Megan Sokolil, Michelle Kokolek Burkick, Susan DeHaan, Tanya Allen, and Zacchaeus. Well done. We love our, our cats. Our hunters are Ashley Brock, Brandon Summit, Briar Aldridge, Charles Howison, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, Henry Wodehouse, James Smith, Jessica Helmer, Jessica Jones, Joe, Kay Kremer, Kimberly Lockabee, Laudine, Laura Loki, Lee Lynn, Leanne Stevis, Meredith Kenton, Mistina, Nadia Ratchford, Nicodemus Tibbetts, Quinn Ann slash Queen Ann, Robin Archer, Rana of the Incense, Sarah Bunder, Stevie Thompson, and Squeaky. Hello, Hunters. We love you. Hi, Hunters. <laughs> Listening to us, some of you right now in the recording channel. Yes, hello, there are oh, so many of you now. <laughs> there you are, Your Highness. Queen, Queen Anne. Quick, 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 Anne. Quick, 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 Anne. QQ Anne. QQ Anne. Our leopards are Akaneko, Elizabeth Mays, and Emily Hagelin. Our tigers are. Amanda Hicks, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, <laughs> Alora Driver, Lorelai, Misha Lutz, and Rel. Our Jaguars are Justin Stanage and Kirsten, Kirsten Ray. Ray. <laughs> and special thanks to Kirsten Zacharias who donated a mic to us. Yep, that's right. Which we still many haven't many moons ago. Many, many moons ago, ago, which we still haven't had all we, the resources we need to use, but we do <laughs> but have it. Plans. I can see it from here. It's looking at us. Like a little alien going, when are you going to use me? Yeah, they uh, they sent us a snowball mic, so it's got a, like a little globe on top of a stand. Or, or an eyeball. An eyeball, yeah. yeah or a, you know, a snowball. snowball. I know. Yeah, but see, the mic we use now is called a Yeti, and it doesn't look anything like a Yeti. So. True that, true that. So, a couple of other housekeeping, housekeeping things. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend after, we will be at Michigan Pagan Fest, mm -hmm. and we will be broadcasting live from Michigan Pagan Fest for most of it. On um, our YouTube channel. On our, on YouTube, our YouTube channel. channel. Yep, so you'll be able to see us and whoever happens to sit down with us during that time frame. So if you're not a fan of our YouTube channel or have not liked our YouTube channel or are not following our YouTube channel. Have not subscribed have to not our subscribed YouTube channel. Have not subscribed to our YouTube Go channel. Go do that. Go do that. Go to YouTube, type in Three Pagans and a Cat, we come up, hit subscribe. The, hit the subscription, hit the and, subscription then hit the, and then hit the the notification bell, yep. because that right. will increase the chances that YouTube will tell you we're live. We live yeah. It we will not also, guarantee it, but... We can also make announcements on Facebook. Yeah, we will be yes, making yes, announcements yes. live. Also, we just got invited yes. like, oh, yeah. a couple of days ago to be the moderators for the, the Ritualist, Ritualist panel. panel at Michigan Pagan Fest. That's right. So we'll actually be moderating that panel that with discussion. seven ritualists. Mm -hmm. Gonna be fun. Yeah, it should be a blast. So, And I don't think we've said the dates yet, and that's June 20th through the 23rd. That's yep. correct, yes. Yep. yep. June 20th through 23rd. And then the following Sunday, the, yep. the 23rd, yep. uh, we will come back 
and, and do our recording we for, right. do our recording. for that week, yep. which will be the storytelling, uh, another storytelling episode. Yep. Yes. Just yep. so we can kind of chillax. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be completely overwhelmed yes. probably by doing the rituals panel and everything else. <laughs> yep. But it's, I think it's going to be a really, really good time. And mm-hmm. we've done some divination. All indications are good. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yep. I think it's going to be a yeah, great we, year. We've gotten go-aheads and alerts to focus a little bit on our own spiritual development while we're there as well. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Which is why we may not be on all the time. Right, because right. essentially, like, we did some divination. Carr was planning to spend 100% of the time in front of the camera. Yep. Um, but we did some divination, and he got the instruction, essentially, to back away from the mic occasionally to go to some ritual, to open okay. himself up to some experiences. Yep. Yeah, so. maybe go to a class if there's one that's interesting. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. Yep, and then August 3rd, we'll be at right. Detroit Pagan Pride. Yep, yep. And we're teaching two classes at that. We're teaching two classes we haven't actually taught as classes yet. Yeah, yep. we're going to be doing monikers, monikers and, and metaphorical spaces, spaces, and we're going to be doing speaking with symbols. Yep. Which we've done Which those we've, as episodes. we did those as Podcasts, episodes yep. many moons ago yep, now. Many moons yep. ago now. So, uh, so we're excited so about it's content teaching those. you'll be familiar with, but yep. not in class form. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we are very close to signing a deal for some... Management. Management mm-hmm. of our time, keeping us on track. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we're just waiting we're on some paperwork. So as soon as that happens, we'll let you guys know. Yep, yeah, we'll so have... light some candles for us or something. Yeah. Yeah. In the last bit of news, mm-hmm. we have been officially approved for our own channel on Patheos. Yes, yes, and we have. And they are in the process of setting all that up. So soon we will move off of the Agora blog and, and into, move on to uh, a three, a three pack blog, that's blog right. on Patheos. Right. So it's very we're stoked exciting. about that. So that, that's it, I think. Yeah, I think that's all that's the house. I think it I've covered it all. Yep. As you heard, this is another Litha episode. Last year, we did a full Wheel of the Year, where we just sort of did a surface scrape on all the holidays. And this year, we're touching on all of the holidays again, but we're trying to dig a little deeper and find out sort of why do we celebrate these holidays and what do they mean to us in in the modern day? And what's the point of them? Why does every single one involve fire? You know, the big questions. (laughs) Right. Because we're pagans and pagans like fire? Uh-huh, yeah. And this so, one is very much fire Exactly. Yeah. So so we're looking for sort of the deeper mysteries. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we're doing with this episode here. If you want the, the basic outline of Litha, you can go listen to our Litha episode from last year. Yep. And I would just like to say happy Yule to our listeners right, to, in the, in the southern, southern, hemisphere. southern hemisphere friends you can go listen to the yule episode we did for last year and then look forward to the one that we'll do, <laughs> that we'll do this year for this year <laughs> this one's easy because it's, it's easy right. to go like the yule uh, six okay. months yeah. 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 when you get to the in-betweens you're like what <laughs> you're like hang what on that's <laughs> now that what's the diagonal across down. from the wheel and yeah <laughs> it's so confusing you saw that but we do we do have so uh, i know that we have listeners in australia and in yes, south america so we want to Africa. South Africa, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we want to honor them and let them know yes, we, we are thinking we do, about you. We do know you're there. We know you're there. It's just, we're in the Northern we're just, Hemisphere. This is just where we live. So, Ladies and gentlemen and people of all... Uh, what is that? I have no idea. So, so, pro tip, we call ourselves Enbies. Oh. <laughs> when you want to do a ladies, gentlemen, NB. and Enbies. Enbies. Yes. <laughs> First, I would like to say, hey, meet our new friend, the Artful Egg. Mm-hmm. Our Tiger Michelle invited you to her shop, where she showcases her painted and carved sugar skull eggshells for the world to enjoy. Each piece is handcrafted and unique, with a name and a style all its own, and desires to find a happy home with you. Every egg comes in a special box adorned with a note about the creation. Michelle has been sculpting her eggs since 2015 and knows that you and your family and friends will love it. 
She also makes natural eggs, a beautifully painted rockery, and jewelry to share, as well as the sugar skulls. Michelle has also designed an acorn egg, which just happens to be the most popular egg she makes, adorned with lentils and wood beads and hemp or leather hangings. Visit The Artful Egg at theartfulegg.net. Not everyone, I guess, eats as many lentils as me. So if you're not aware, lentils actually come in a variety of colors. So yes, those can be very, very colorful. It, yeah, they're very pretty. If you're in the market for something shiny, our Tiger Reel would like to invite you to Relic Designs, spelled R-E-L-L-I-K Designs. Relic Designs produces wire-wrapped jewelry from amethyst points wrapped in coils of silver to bracelets of braided bronze and silver chainmail links. Real works with all types of metals, from copper to titanium, and accepts custom commissions. You can find Relic Designs on Facebook at Relic Designs or on Instagram at Relic.Designs. There are a couple of imposters out there that say Relic on them, but they're not them, so make sure you get the dots and the spacing right and accept no substitutes. So let's uh, let's start talking about fire because here we are back back again back again longest day shortest night this is yet another holiday that centers around bonfires yes yes it does but if it makes you feel any better they used to light like a wheel of fire and roll it yes. down the hill yes which I'm is... a big fan of and into think... a lake luckily and you're right but... yes I... the, the you find a body of water yep you construct an enormous wheel put it. As close to the highlands as you had in that yep. area, mm-hmm. near enough to the body of water that it could roll, roll into down, it. Yeah. We, we talked about this last year. We mentioned there, it, yeah. Is, are there people that still do that? Yes. Yes, in a more controlled fashion. I would. <laughs> the fire extinguishers out there, the big hoses. Uh-huh, yeah. The fire department. The fire, fire department, department presence, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, No is, forest fires hopefully started. Yeah. But, I mean, it is midsummer. It is the height or the peak of the solar year at the height of its power as far as this half of the year. So I think actually that Litha Summer Solstice Midsummer is really interesting Mm -hmm. because although the specific date of the Summer Solstice does have the longest day, Mm -hmm. this is also the inevitable tipping over point into the dark half of the year. It is. Because from this point forward, days get shorter. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that too. It's like we are in the starting into summer here. Mm -hmm. In some areas, it's more of the midsummer. They've been enjoying the warmer weather for a while. For a bit. And they're, they're doing their harvest. We're just starting to get into mm-hmm. our harvests here. But you're like, oh, longest day and the sun is out until mm-hmm. later and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then you realize those days. That, what that means that, is. That means the dark is coming again. <laughs> right. And I think, that, I think that part gets overshadowed sometimes uh, in Litha that although this specific moment is the height of the sun's power, it, it, in, it heralds the inevitable decline. Yes. Right. And, and I it, think that decline is sometimes downplayed. And if you if you follow, I believe, Wiccan tradition, right, that this means is when the, we're, the, getting, we're moving toward the waning of the Oak King. Right. No, this right? is when this this is the day. Oh, this is the day on, of which, the death of the, on Oak which the Oak King is slain right. and the Holly and King the ascends Holly to the King throne. ascends to the throne. So there we go. So yeah, we're actually, he, the Oak King has has been he has reigned reigned from, until this point and then from he, Yule to, to yeah. now yeah. And, and then the goddess gives birth to the to the Holly King and Holly King Holly King dethrones dethrones the Oak King the Oak which King. is very fascinating even if you're not Wiccan I think it's a fascinating concept mm-hmm. of, and it really I think highlights the differences between the light half of the year and the dark half mm-hmm 
You know, because if you think about it, you know, in two halves, that's what you've got. And now we're moving in toward that dark half. Yep. And I think that's really interesting because people think of Yule as the dark holiday and Litha as the light holiday. But it's really reverse. But there's there's really an argument that it's the reverse of that. Mm-hmm. It really is. Because, in, you know, at Yule, we're celebrating the return of the right, light. exactly. That's what the whole emphasis is of greeting the light, mm-hmm. calling the light back. Now, we're really kind we're of saying, saying goodbye. We're saying goodbye. Yes. It's a long goodbye. Right. It's a long farewell. It's but... a long farewell, but we are we are saying goodbye to the light. And, though, we can look at it as an embracing right, cause there's still of the a, dark. There is still certainly a celebratory, there's certainly a st- a celebratory oh, quality to Litha. And because it's the longest day... There's a lot of partying yep. because there's Absolutely. a lot of a lot of time to be out of doors That's um, right. yep. before the sun goes down. So this is when you do all your feasting and your merrymaking and, mm-hmm. and stuff because this is the time when you have literally the most time in your day to do that. Right. And also the sun is rising earlier, setting later. So like I've been getting up really early. I've been getting up earlier because the sun is right, coming. The light, you know, comes, the in, light yeah. comes in. It wakes me up. But I've been getting up and uh, able to to see the sunrise. That's going to change. Yes. It's, it's going to get later. Immediately later. starting immediately. after Litha. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, it's it's interesting to me that we talk about the Oak King and the Holly King, and it's really only mentioned in two things. Yeah, the Oak mm-hmm. King and the Holly King is not an ancient tradition. No, no it's a new tradition, isn't it? Robert Graves wrote about yeah. it yep. in The White Goddess. The White Goddess. And James Fraser wrote about it in The Golden Bough. Mm-hmm. And basically, those are the only two, but yeah. they do kind of fit this archetypal pairing thing that goes on, especially in Celtic mm-hmm. uh, lands. So, Sir Gwen versus the Green Knight, Lou versus Balor, which These is all traditional battles. Uh, traditional yep. battles where one must triumph over the other, right, right, right. to bring and about I, a change, right. So I, a transition. I see some yep. uh, comments from our from our hunters saying, you know, well, I'm not Wiccan. I don't know right. what this is, and I understand because I'm not Wiccan. Either. None, none of us here are Wiccan. None of us here are Wiccan. But I do think it's interesting as far as understanding the light and the dark half of the year. I think that the you know this epic battle of the Oak King and the Holly King, it highlights that in a way that's interesting. It's so, not, I don't worship those in that way. I don't like that's not going to be part of my ritual for um for midsummer, but I do appreciate the symbolism it offers. And I think the majority of our litha is going to be we'll be at Michigan Pagan Fest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll actually be we'll, we'll be doing Pagan whatever Fest. they're doing at Michigan right, Pagan yeah, Fest. Exactly. That's right. So which I think James Stovall is doing his Peruvian sacred fire. Yeah, the uh, the carol. Yeah, on litha, yeah, yeah the carol. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be very interesting to I think so that. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time for reviews. Spectacular. Spectacular. So this review is of something that was actually posted yes. on our Facebook yes. group. And it's yes. so freaking cool, you it guys. Is. If you are not on our Facebook group, you're missing out. You're missing out because we got some amazing peeps. Yep. So one of our patrons. Right. Uh, a member of the Pride. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nadia Ratchford mm-hmm. has written a poem called Scorned, mm-hmm. dedicated to the goddess Lilith. Mm-hmm. And Steve Samosera has a picture dedicated to the goddess a Lilith. A drawing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawing, yes. Not a yeah. picture. Not, not, a, a, not a photo, but not yes. Not a photo, no. but a drawing, yes. It is a drawing. A very if skilled... If you could take a photo of the goddess Lilith, this you're right? way more talented than we... It is a a very skilled and beautiful guy. Yes. And they, Steve has put it to a, uh, a spoken word, a spoken Mm -hmm. word, which Nadia reads. Yep. And then it has a video of it. Yep. So 
And that's um, a collaboration between Nadia and, and Steve. Steve. Yep. That yep. is beautiful. Sam it's Sarah, absolutely yep. gorgeous. Yeah, the, so, the poem itself is... Nadia. Is Nadia's work. Uh, and it's beautiful no. and powerful. Uh, and she reads it, actually, yep. in the video. And she has a wonderful, wonderful voice. Yeah, wonderful yep. voice. She reads it very Wonderful well. delivery uh, mm-hmm. of the content. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the video is the the camera sort of panning and scrolling around the... Picture. The, Picture. the image mm-hmm. to show the, uh, the detail work of the various... Uh, pieces mm-hmm. of this illustration, and it's beautiful, and the com- the combination is spectacular. So mm-hmm. we're going to be linking that uh, in the episode links. Yep. And we wanted to review this piece because you know we've got a lot of talented people mm-hmm. in the pride. Yes, and all you know, so Thanks many of- for the, all the commercials that yeah, we have. Right. Commercials, that even- we've got you know we've got artisans and mm-hmm. we've got writers and you know just music people, music and, yeah. musicians. I mean, we've got such just a. a a really, a, a really talented a and, and diverse community. Yeah, yes. absolutely, in the Pride. And so we wanted to to kind of showcase mm-hmm. that for our listeners yep. and, and to encourage all of you to share your content. Yeah, share, share your your devotional work if it's appropriate to share. Um, share your, your creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Because we're always super impressed and super proud of you guys we and the really work are. you're doing and the the creative potential you're sort of tapping into and expressing mm-hmm. and sharing with us. We really appreciate you guys sharing it with us. In the beginning, they call you beautiful, equal, made of the same earth queen, give you angel wings, make you wife but woman. When they can't cast you to fit their mold, they will cast you to the depths. Uh, I want to say something that's going to maybe and spook in certain heathen listeners. Uh oh. Look out, heathen listeners. So, I am not a Wiccan, obviously, so I don't actually care. I don't have a stake in the Oak King, Holly King. So, like, that doesn't resonate with me, per se. Mm -hmm. But there is an argument to be made. It's not a very popular argument, but there's an argument to be made that Ragnarok is a cycle that has happened before and will happen again. Mm -hmm. And you can make a further argument, an extrapolation of that argument, that that cycle happens every year. And so you can make an argument that... Tell us Litha, about this argument you can make. That, <laughs> that the summer solstice, as this triumphant point followed by a defeat, essentially, and a decline into darkness, is the Ragnarok battle part of that cycle is that moment when the gods at the height of their power and glory are mm-hmm. defeated and we decline into darkness. And then when you roll back around to Yule, Baldur and the surviving gods repopulate the earth. I think that makes so, sense. Why would that be a problem? So, well, Baldur is not super popular. Really? In heathen circles because... He doesn't have a big hammer? No, because <laughs> Snorri made him a Christ analog. Uh, essentially. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of be... drama mixed up in Baldur's position in the mythology. Okay, I can see why that would happen. Yes, and also there is another separate community uh, of heathens that gets real nervous about any talk of Ragnarok. <laughs> You've brought this up. Is it something you believe, or you just brought it up? So here's the thing. I... <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> We've talked before about how, like, my position is that things can be true and not true at the same same time, time, and multiple things can be equally true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
No, Rana Ode never gives a yes or no answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, uh, I have complex thoughts <laughs> uh, that can rarely be broken down into yes or no. That's very true. Uh, sometimes the answer is yes and no. Maybe that's, and that's why pendulum doesn't work for it you. It could be, yes. Yeah. And that's sort of my answer here. Like, yes and no. Do I think that there is a literal apocalypse happening at Litha? Like, mythologically? Yeah. N- no, not really. But do I think there's a symbolically significant mythological apocalypse happening at Litha? Yeah, kind of. See, On I, some level? I yes. I like that. <laughs> I like that because of the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, the solstice is the peak, the height mm-hmm. of the solar year. It is the the height of, of solar power, if you will. Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> briefly. But it is the height of that power. So that really resonates and makes sense to me, if I were a heathen, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that it would be Ragnarok would be that... That well, and dark, so here's you know, the other happened and going into the dark half of the year. Here's the other layer of this. At mm-hmm. Ragnarok, mm-hmm. Sunna, the sun, mm-hmm. is finally caught mm-hmm. and eaten oh, by rude. one of the wolves. Rude. The other one chases uh, the moon, Mani. Mm-hmm. Uh, so two wolves chase the sun and the moon across the sky. And at Ragnarok, they're caught. Mm-hmm. That's the decline part. Right, right. <laughs> so Litha is that moment when, like, right before battle, when everyone's at full power. Right. And then the rest of the year is that that decline through right. Ragnarok as one by one, they, everybody gets killed because that's fate. Mm-hmm. I until at sense. the end of the battle, at Yule, everyone's dead except mm-hmm. Baldur, who was already dead. Right. Who, right. Was, who was safe in hell throughout this whole fight and mm-hmm. who can emerge in the mm-hmm. aftermath to bring light back into the world in the second half of the year. See, I, I, I think that that resonates for me as a non-heathen, mm-hmm. just as as a non-Wiccan, the Oak King and the Holly King mm-hmm. saga resonates with me, not in a way that I would incorporate right. either of not these in things. A, right, like in a worshipful yeah, way. Yeah, not but. in a worshipful way, but, it's, but it resonates with me. It makes sense to me mm-hmm. as far as describing that... That cycle. That cycle. Yeah. That's what, that's what I appreciate so, about that. So although I know Ragnarok makes a lot of heathens nervous, and I know Baldur makes a lot of heathens angry, I do think that this is a useful way for heathens to visualize this cycle. You know, they say that music is a universal language, and our tiger, Alora Driver, is ready to speak to you with the music of Aqua Girl. I love Aqua Girl. Yes. Aqua Girl is an indie pop musician with a very chill, listenable synth tone, married to the lyrics that are by turns hopeful and honest. All of Aqua Girl's tracks have their own charms, but Ode suggests gently a soft-focused meditation on the steadfastness of love. You can find Aqua Girl at aqua-girl.bandcamp.com. Gently, I will follow you inside. really like follow magic and power around the moon uh-huh. mm-hmm. right a lot do. but 
Most modern this, ones certainly yeah, do. Yeah, modern. The sun is just as, if not more, important. So... Uh, certainly the sun is what... I mean, we follow the sun around the wheel mm-hmm. of the year, essentially. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. And solar deities are important. Mm-hmm. You know, historically, yes. Historically. <laughs> In fact, I, I cannot remember the, the name of the book. It might just be solar magic. There are spells and, and rituals that you can do that incorporate working with the sun. I think it's a Yeah, a I think uh, I, everybody gets very focused on like doing things during certain moon phases. Yeah. Right, but yeah. I find it's equally valuable to if you if you time your magic at all. Right, if that's a thing right. that that if is you do a, planetary hours and days. Right, right. No, that's or, not even what, I, what oh, I'm talking about. I'm okay. saying if timing your magic at a specific, if doing your magic at a specific time is relevant to you for a correspondence. Right. right. A lot of people focus on moon cycles. Yes. I think it's also valuable to focus on like what time of the day it mm, is. So mm-hmm. do you do your magic at dawn, at noon, at dusk? Right. And again, it depends on what you're doing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you get a different kind of energy from the sun depending mm-hmm. on where it is in your sky mm-hmm. at the time you're doing the magic. Like yeah. for instance, the other day, because I said the sun's mm-hmm. been getting me up in the morning, I did a, a, a ritual with the sun. It was a Hecatean ritual. Sure. It was such an amazing experience to watch the sunrise to feel that power it's such it it feels like you know it's an awakening it's a obviously a dawning of the light but there's so much at least in my perspective such a creative force uh that i felt during that that ritual i felt like i was infused with this solar power that i could just go forth and do anything i wanted that Mm. day you know and it was a good day i just i really feel like yeah I, i believe you're right i think sometimes we do neglect yeah, the, our understanding of the power of the sun. Which is interesting because, don't get me wrong, I love the moon, but it's a it's a rock <laughs> that happens to be near to us. Mm-hmm. That just reflects the sun. Exactly. It the does. sun is our closest star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the closest solar object to us. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's literally our, our proximity to the sun, our perfect balance between being so close that it boils us alive and mm-hmm. so far away that we freeze to death. Mm-hmm. Our, that perfect balance is what allows us to have life as we understand it. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand even how you can devalue the sun, but somehow we do. Somehow I think we do. And I think part of it is because, especially for women, the, the lunar cycle is connected or can be connected. Is hypothetically, hypothetically magically, mythologically connected. Hap- yeah, to, to a woman's cycle. Right. And so a lot, that helps a lot of women. And especially if you're, if you're coming from a patriarchal kind of system or, or a, mm-hmm. a religion, sometimes it's nice to focus on the moon the, See, the, the, and the feminine as opposed to the solar and the masculine. I know, I know. Relate. In, in heathenry, it's opposites. <laughs> in heathenry. But I'm so, saying. so this is actually a thing I was, I was gonna, I was gonna mention. For me, Litha, because it's the yeah. time of the highest sun, is a mom energy holiday. Right. It's yeah. a very, it's a very feminine, fe- feminine yeah. holiday for me because the sun is, fe- is feminine, is yeah. Sunna. And see, for me, the sun is, is solar, masculine, is a masculine yeah. deity or energy. And so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have tried to incorporate this. Yeah, idea you've talked about this before of, of understanding the sun as a feminine energy. I'm working on it. It's still, I'm still more drawn to the moon as far as a um, energy goes but i i do agree with you that the sun does not get the kind of attention mm-hmm. that the moon does and maybe on litha this is the perfect day <laughs> right. 
to do sun magic and to really focus on solar. Yeah, like if you've never done it before, solar magic. That this is when the energy is going to be this at is, its height. This is right. the height of the solar energy. So this is the time to use that mm-hmm. energy. To tap into that. To tap into it. Yeah, yeah that creativity, that... That um, intensity. That intensity, that passion, really. Yeah. So if your masculine energy and your feminine energy, does that make the sun non-binary? I believe personally, yes, that all of the spirits are non-binary. Right. And we just mm-hmm. assign or experience genders to them based on a, a variety of factors. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I just, what I find interesting is how many gods there are from antiquity mm-hmm. that are solar. Gods. Yeah. So Ra. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot the, of sun. Uh, the premier is. Egyptian right. sun god, Ra. He- Helios. Yep. The mm-hmm. Greek, the cult of Mithra from the Persians yes. were yes. a big deal. That was a, that, that was a huge, huge cult. Um, Native Americans, like most of their tribal elder, mm-hmm. so the, the head elder, claimed kinship with the sun. Oh, I didn't know and, that. And know that's that. why what, they was performed that true? sun dances. And Is that true across Iroquois multiple tribes? And Plains oh, okay. regions. Yeah, okay. so, Interesting. Um, and they still perform sun dances every year. Oh, that's beautiful. So That's very cool. Uh, yeah. Out in the in, West. Right. <laughs> so. Where the sun is more of a is more of a presence. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I thought it was just interesting, you know, to know that there are. And for, for Celts, Lou. Right, yeah. It's our sun god. So yep. so would you, there's also Lunasa, which will come later yep, in the year, yep. uh, which is explicitly Lou's holiday. But would right. you celebrate Lou during Litha? Yes. Yeah? That makes cool. sense. That makes sense. So for you, the sun is a masculine energy again. Yes, yeah, because of Lou. I think the only the only feminine suns I can pull to the front of my brain are mine, the heathen one, the Norse right, one, right? Yeah, and the Japanese Amaterasu is the sun goddess in uh, in Japanese mythology, right? But what's it's interesting too that that where the, where there are dawn gods, those tend to be goddesses pretty much across oh, the board. Across mm-hmm. the board, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And if you you could assume, I think that these dawn goddesses would then therefore be associated with the sun. Well, I mean, they have to be associated with the sun in some way because mm-hmm. they the dawn the dawn is, is the herald of is the, the sun rising. Yes, right. sun rising. <laughs> so um, I believe Brigid is a is a considered a dawn goddess. Is she? Um, I think so. She's <laughs> definitely a fire goddess. So, yes, you know she's good for every holiday. You've got Estra, who's considered yes. a dawn goddess. Um, per- Eos. Eos Persephone? Would no. She be? No, she's not. What would she be? She's the queen of the underworld. Well, true. But I mean, before <laughs> she became the queen of the underworld, she was, was she associated she was, with spring She was associated with spring and flowers, but not oh, okay. dawn. Okay. She's Demeter's daughter. She's so. Demeter's flowers. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she's the flower lady. But yeah, so I, I think these... Aurora. Dawn, yeah, Aurora. These, these dawn goddesses could be associated, mm-hmm. you know, with the sun. That's... that's Brigitte is the dawn goddess. Oh, is she? Thank you. So that's just, this is, this is something that actually hadn't occurred to me until just now that although the sun is masculine, like the deified sun is masculine in Mm -hmm. many traditions, in those same traditions, the deified dawn will be feminine. Mm -hmm. It somewhat makes sense. Because the, the dawn is giving sort of birth, giving birth to, to the, the sun, sun right? Yeah. yeah, that's true. If you look at it from a dualistic mm-hmm. kind of perspective, yeah. which is interesting because you usually see the dawn goddesses presented not as mothers but as maidens, as maidens, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 so that's true. I wonder if at some stage. Not in in extant mythologies, but in proto mythologies that we don't have anymore. I wonder if at some stage dawn goddesses were 
impregnated or married in some way to someone else to create the sun. Yeah. That's an interesting... At some stage. That would be an interesting thing. I don't know if that would be something that, you know, especially if it's proto... Exactly. This is what I'm saying. I don't think... There might not be a way for us to ever know that. Exactly. But I I wonder if this is sort of how things evolved over time. Yeah. If I decide to do any private litha midsummer mm-hmm. summer solstice in the uh, hotel room, in the hotel room, <laughs> or when we get home, Post-litha. I might focus. On, you know, I'll focus on Brigitte because she is she is a dawn goddess, right. yep. and then and so that could be my connection to the summer solstice as far as the celebration goes. Just convenient since you already work with Brigitte. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Don't have to hit up anybody new. Don't have to hit up anybody. <laughs> it's odds stone. What I'm going to be talking about today is native gold. Technically, not a stone per se, but a mineral. Right. So it counts. We talk about amber and shit too, and that's not a stone either. So, (laughs) (laughs) In its native form, gold is almost always found as an alloy, usually with native silver. Usually the amount of silver will be somewhere in in the 8 to 10% range. That's about as pure as gold gets in a native form. To get purer than that, it has to be processed. Refined. Refined, either out of the native form or out of the ore, which doesn't really look golden. It's just sort of a brown rock when it's in an ore form. And then it becomes gold through through the refining. But native gold, which you can find in sort of wire filaments and nuggets and flakes, just sort of scattered throughout the earth, do look like gold and are identifiable as gold, even when they're alloyed with uh, silver. More equal alloys of silver and gold are also naturally occurring where there's about 50% gold and 50% silver, and that's called electrum, and it was actually used as coinage in ancient Greece because it was harder than native gold, because gold is a very soft metal, and silver is slightly harder than, than gold is, so the alloy of silver and gold that occurs naturally just Mm -hmm. in the environment uh, without having to be manufactured in any way Mm -hmm. was as valuable as gold, but easier to make into coinage. Gold is one of the noble metals. Uh, A noble metal is one that is resistant to corrosion and oxidation. Gold is the most noble of the metals, not just because it's the most precious, but because it is the most corrosion resistant of the naturally occurring noble metals. I just wanted to ask, do you think that's why it became known as a, a symbol for royalty? No, the the noble metal thing is a science thing Okay, that wasn't discovered until so later, long after gold had been associated okay. with royalty and wealth. But it is only dissolvable in aqua regia, which is a substance developed originally by alchemists and which is a highly concentrated combination of hydrochloric and nitric acid. Mm. And that's the only thing that'll dissolve gold other than, you know, getting into like nuclear physics. Gotta love those alchemists. Uh Uh-huh. Other noble metals like silver and copper and things like that can be dissolved with just nitric acid. Mm. So you need a much more intense acid to make a dent in gold at all. And that's where actually acid testing came from if you weren't sure that something was real gold or contained real gold, you could immerse it in a bath of nitric acid, and if it was genuine gold, nothing would happen to it. It would not be in any way corroded or or damaged. Interesting. Gold also has an extremely high specific gravity of 19.3, which makes it slightly more dense than tungsten. And that's actually why tungsten is used to fabricate fake gold sometimes. Mm. Uh, Gold bars will be made with tungsten and then plated with gold because they weigh close enough to the same to be easily... Same with jewelry now. Yep. 
to, to be easily mistaken for genuine gold, but uh, gold is slightly, slightly more dense than tungsten. And it is the most malleable metal in that a single gram of gold can be beaten into a sheet of gold that is one square meter. Wow. Yeah. And gold leaf, because gold is sufficiently malleable and, and not brittle, uh, can be beaten thin enough to become semi-transparent. So no wonder the ancients used to use it for yeah. I know this because when I worked at a Christian bookstore, uh-huh. I used to imprint people's names mm-hmm. on their Bibles That's with right. gold leaf. Gold leaf, yep. yeah. And I mean, think about it. A lot of the ancient uh, descriptions of, of ancient temples mm-hmm. and palaces and things, they were like their entire layered with gold. Layered with gold. Yeah. It's because you can take a very small amount of gold and, and beat it very, very, very thin. And because right. it's so malleable and so soft, it won't break and fracture the way that other metals would if you tried to treat them in the same way. That's interesting. Yep. Rose gold is gold that's been alloyed with copper. Mm-hmm. And white gold is gold that's been alloyed with palladium or nickel. You can actually alloy gold with a whole range of metals to make golds in a variety of fascinating colors, <laughs> <laughs> including like blue gold, which is gold alloyed with iron. Ooh, yeah. that sounds pretty. Yeah. But would it then rust because it has the because of the iron content? It would depend on... On the um, concentration of iron. Gotcha. Yep. Interesting. So, although gold cannot be synthesized from lead, as the ancient alchemists desired, right. it can, at great expense and with the assistance of a particle accelerator, be synthesized <laughs> from mercury with neutron bombardment. However... Like you do. However, what this creates is a radioactive isotope of gold with with a, with a very short half-life. Mm. There is only one stable isotope of gold, the natural gold that occurs on Earth. Gotcha. So although we can now so produce what to, gold, what we, need to do we can't do it bunch, economically. Steal a bunch of mercury, break into CERN. <laughs> Just right. dump it all into right. the Hadron Collider. <laughs> Just dump it all into the Hadron Collider and we'll be rich. We'll be rich. <laughs> Problem as long as we solved. don't, as long as we don't have to pay for the for the for the use of the particle accelerator, in. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that the, the hadron collider would be cost effective. No, 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 absolutely no. not. Also, so gold can also be found in the ocean in an extremely diffuse concentrations of particles. Hmm. If you could condense all the gold that is in all of the oceans on Earth, uh-huh. just in the water. Yeah. You would have 15,000 tons of gold. Wow. But because these gold particles so are so diffused, there is no economical way to extract gold from seawater. Hmm. So our oceans are just full of gold that we can't access. But the fishes are eating. The fishes are eating the gold. The fishes are and you actually gold, can people. you actually can eat gold. Um, you know, when people do, um, yes, put, like, gold I, I have leaf, seen that. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. on fancy desserts and mm-hmm. things, you can actually eat that. Yeah. Because, because it's a noble metal, mm-hmm. nothing in your digestive system will have any effect on gold. Isn't that amazing? So, as, so it's non-toxic, yeah. uh, in, in its native form and will do you no harm. Hence the reason you see it at fancy restaurants. Yes. So you said there's 15 tons? 15,000. 15,000 15,000 tons. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out how much money that would be worth. <laughs> magic. So our oceans are wealthy, essentially. Yes, yes. Yes, so, but so for magic, gold is associated with wisdom, longevity, and secret knowledge. 
It's also associated with wealth, power, and authority. All of these, I think, are for the obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> you know, it's got those associations to alchemy. It's right. got those associations to kings and rich people. Yeah. And the sun. And in the fact, sun. the alchemical symbol for gold, which is the circle with a dot in it, mm -hmm. is also the symbol for the sun right. in astrology. And it was the ancient symbol for the sun in Chinese oracle writing, which was the writing form that preceded modern Chinese writing. Did you say a circle with a, a dot? A circle with a dot in the middle. That's also the symbol for the lord of the lord and lady in Wiccan yes. tradition. Because he's associated yeah, with the because sun. Because he's associated with the sun. The what I like to use gold for and what I think is a more interesting use for gold aside from just to like project your power and authority right. or connect to the sun, which is a, a valuable use for gold, mm -hmm. is its ability to change form while retaining its nature. Mm, yeah. So because gold is extremely malleable and because it is so resistant to corrosion and any changes in its form and structure, mm -hmm. but is so able to be alloyed and can be you know, shaped and manipulated very easily. Mm -hmm. It's very good for uh, a kind of shape shifting, mm. but a kind of shape shifting that doesn't require you, that doesn't require, and in fact, doesn't allow you to change your essential nature, mm. mm -hmm. you know, to, to sort of be a chameleon. That's neat. Yeah. I like that idea. So I would, I would say it's good for uh, any kind of illusions it's good for any kind of Glamour uh, glamours, um, certain kinds of charms. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good for if you are in a situation where you have to behave a certain way or wear a specific kind of mask. That is not normal to your Right, person. which isn't sort of natural to your being. Mm -hmm. If you have to be a specific person, gold will help sustain that identity, that manufactured identity for you without forcing you or encouraging you to alter your essential self. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I think that would be especially beneficial for people who have to like witches who are still in the mm -hmm. green closet because of, you know, family yeah, I, or I friends know silver, or where they live. I know silver is much more popular with witches, mm -hmm. but gold, I think, has it's, a lot of value That's because to it. of the lunar it's connection. Got the, the, moon, yeah, yeah, the moon connection. But I like the idea. I like the idea of, of if you are, especially for those who are in the broom mm -hmm. closet, of using it as that kind of... As a mask. Mask without draining or changing your personhood. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. And then the only other thing I have about gold is that somewhat contrary to my expectation, um, because it has these, you know, wealth and authority and power right. uh, affiliations, I expected gold on a purely intellectual level to be sort of an authoritative voice. Right. But it's not. Gold actually has a very soft tone. It's, mm. it's it communicates almost in like a in in the energetic equivalent of a whisper. It's mm. very light mm -hmm. energetically. So interesting. So you, you have to really listen and pay attention to, to gold. To gold, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's not very loud. So that's it for Oat Stone Corner. That was nice. I was one. about to I was about to like tap him on the head. <laughs> <laughs> So as best I can figure step. out, the gold in the ocean is worth about $65 trillion. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but I think I missed some zeros. That's <laughs> possible. Yes, it's possible. It's possible. Because it's a lot of zeros. There was actually a an attempt made after World War II to find, by Germany, mm. to find an economical way to extract the gold from seawater because <laughs> there was no other way for them to pay reparations. Oh, right. that makes sense, yeah. But... The results that came back were just the, like, yeah, there's not, no, it's no. too diffusely 
distributed. There's mm-hmm. no way to collect enough gold for this to be worthwhile. To be worth it. <laughs> so they had to abandon that plan. Yeah, it was worth a shot. Uh huh. So this is also it a big time for me. the Fae. Yeah, yes. yes, it is. That's true. It's also stone circles are big, obviously, during this time. Right, because they, they have the... Yeah. yeah, I think the and, heel stone at Stonehenge aligns yeah. with the, the summer solstice. Mm-hmm. And yes. then tombs. Yes, the passage tombs. Passage tombs. The passage I'm like, tombs. What, the word, what is the word I'm looking for? Passage tombs. Those are really cool, too. Yeah, yeah which only get properly lit, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, at right. the solstice. solstice. Yep, exactly. I think that would be an amazing... I mean, I've seen it on video. Yeah, but it, it would be like, amazing to experience, chills down sure. your spine, but to experience it would be yep. crazy. And that's kind of... Passage tombs are kind of the gateway to mm-hmm. the other, the other world, world, which mm-hmm. is where the Fae hang out. So yeah, right. you would expect that when it's lit, they would... They had... The, the door was the open, door was as open, it were. Right, yeah. exactly. I also read somewhere that the oak tree in Celtic mythology. Uh, mythology is considered a gateway. Yeah, because the oak tree was kind of like the tallest tree, so it was seen as connecting... Earth oh, to sky. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, I gotcha. Um, and so that was kind of a gateway between, you know, the roots go all the way into the ground, the, the leaves root go, branches all the go all the way to the sky. sky yeah. Okay. And uh, so that was the thought process. And so. So there, how does that line up with the Oak year, King, Holly King? Well, situation. there's two times of year when mistletoe is a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is Yule and, and Litha. And Litha. Right. I saw that. So, I did see that. Yeah. So, you know, the druids would go out with their golden sickles mm-hmm. and they would find mistletoe that happened to be hanging on to oak trees. Because mm-hmm. mistletoe is parasitic. Right. Mm-hmm. And oak trees are considered kind of a divine sacred. tree. Yep. Yeah. Sacred, sacred tree. tree. So. Assuming there's not a passage tomb, would the Fae then come through uh, an, oak it, tree? an oak tree? A conveniently located oak tree? Yeah, oak trees, stone circles. Fairy mounds? Fairy mounds, yeah, that kind of thing. Mushroom mm-hmm. rings? Mushroom, Mushroom rings. rings, yes, yep. So. Very interesting. Yep. Cool. Any of the traditional right. fae locations? Exactly. Now, now were Any they... place you're not supposed to trespass? <laughs> Here's my next question. At Samhain, there's like a fear of... And at Yule to a certain and extent. And at Yule to a certain extent of people from the other world. So essentially spirits, the right. fae coming through from the other world and they make, uh, you know, people were making mischief. mischief. And so people were putting out protections. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was that something that happened at, at midsummer at, at the solstice? Oh, any, anytime the fae are involved. They, they always put up wards. Right, yeah, always yeah. put up wards yeah. just in case. Yeah. Unless you treat with the, the fae. Yep. And even then, probably you should still put up. Be careful. Justifiable. <laughs> be just, right. be yeah. uh, respectful. Be, be extremely respectful. Be and, polite but cautious. And <laughs> always keep an eye on them if you mm. see them because mm-hmm. you don't want to turn away because that's when that's they rude. Get, right. right. It's rude. And then they tend to do things to you. Yep. I mean, so. well, listen. If someone's being rude to you, <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I mean, you know. So. They just they they just have different standards than us. And right. if you're not sure about all this, check out Morgan Daimler's work because that lady she knows her stuff. Well, yeah, she's very good books. Yep. Yeah. So did you know that you can do magic at the beach? Yes, I've done magic at the beach. I mean, you could do magic anywhere, but what right. specific but what beach specific magic, are, beach you magic are you talking about? Yes. So in, in this case, <laughs> it is uh, taking seashells. Uh huh. And writing on them your things that you need to get rid of in your life. Mm-hmm. And then counting nine waves and tossing it in on the, as the ninth wave goes out. So it takes it away. That's very cool. Interesting. That's a very I have interesting. seen some things about Midsummer because it's that time. So I think of Litha the day as the, the, as the, the holiday, the celebration. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like, yay, the sun is 
Max Yay, power. Max yep. power. But then I would think like the the day immediately following Litha mm-hmm. would be the day to, to start getting rid of shit because yeah. it's like a very big waning. Well, yeah. I remember um, a very big long waning cycle. We went to a friend's celebration, uh, summer solstice yes. celebration, and we did bring bay leaves and mm-hmm. we wrote things that we wanted to to get uh, rid of. to get rid of to to release. Yep. And we, we wrote on those and threw them into the fire. Yeah, because um, you've, you've done all of your seeding and planting and mm-hmm, tending in mm-hmm. the early parts of this year. Mm-hmm. In the holidays, we've already covered. Right, right. right. We've done all of the prep work, essentially. Right. And now, it's not yet time for the harvest. Right now, like, crops are at full... Depends. Well, depends. yes, it yes. depends on what you grow and right. where you yep. grow it, yes. Yep. But but the in terms of the general cycle yes. of, right. of, the, of the thing, yeah. we're not at harvest yet. Right. We're at, like, full bounty in the fields. Mm-hmm. Yep. As it were. Right. But that means it's time to celebrate and prepare for, mm-hmm. for the, harvest. the harvest coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's time to get things ready. The early work is done, and we have not yet begun the late work. Right. So it's time to take a brief a brief respite. Yes. Mm-hmm. Celebrate. Enjoy the sunshine. And yep. That's right. And this is, you know, Litha is a time where a lot of... The, you know, flowers are blooming, depending on where you're at. There's some fruits that are, yeah, are uh, coming, I, uh, that can be harvested. In some parts of England, Litha or Midsummer or Summer Solstice was traditionally the time when you went out to gather wild herbs mm-hmm. and bring them in to dry right. yeah. before so, the winter. So that's why for celebrations, you know, you can have... There's all kinds of flowers mm-hmm. and early fruits and uh, herbs and all kinds of things that you can be gathering and drying and, mm-hmm. and presenting on your altar. And in fact, perhaps now it's time for... Quinn's Garden Gems. What I'm going to be talking about today is honeysuckle. And the reason I'm talking about that is because I'm still on my wild crafting kick. And, <laughs> and we are, found some. And we found some. There's <laughs> honeysuckle bushes in our backyard which I did not realize that we were going to have until I went out to, uh, you know, take care of the outside altar and to water my plants. And lo and behold, there were flowers <laughs> on this tree. It's Lonacera, and I'm just going to say SPP because there are over a hundred different varieties of Lonacera. It's also known as woodbine, is what it, it has been called by herbalists and, you know, peoples of the past. There are about maybe 20 or 30 or so uh, varieties that have been used for medicinal purposes. The majority of them are ornamental, but they are, they got the name honeysuckle because children would come along, pluck the little blossoms, take the little ends off and suck the, the nectar, which tasted like honey. Yes, and I happened to have a child... Who did that? <laughs> this was me. And, was, and I did too. It was me. We used camp. to be oh, yeah. to live in a place where there was honeysuckle hanging over a wall and I would right. eat the flowers on my way to, on my way to school. That's right. And they are um, an invasive shrub and, or vine. There's really no way to tell if you've got a kind that is edible or a kind that is ornamental, or, you know, ornamental unless you really examine the flowers and the leaves, and the type of bush or vine it is. I didn't do that as a child. No, I just ate them. (laughs) But, and the thing is, the flowers, depending on on the variety, they might be a little toxic. It's the berries that you Mm. do not eat, period, on any honeysuckle bush 
or vine. Never. They, never. They, they will make Why would you want to eat the berries anyway when the flowers That's taste right. so nice? But they have oval-shaped leaves, and the, the tubular flowers are generally very sweet-smelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the ornamental variety that we have... Yeah, it doesn't is, smell very it's sweet. A bu- it's a bush honeysuckle. It, uh, it doesn't have that sweet odor like the Japanese honeysuckle, honeysuckle. has. And the Japanese honeysuckle is generally what um, a lot of people have that they use toward medicinal purposes. In Chaucer's day... It was a symbol of steadfastness. And believe it or not, all the way back to the Bronze Age, the stems were weaved into rope. Hmm. They would use Hmm. it to create rope. Many states, because honeysuckle is an invasive flower slash vine. Species. Species. It's regulated. Some states will not allow you to grow it. Some states, they have, you know, it depends on the area. So if you are interested in check your local regulations, yeah, check your local regulations. Common honeysuckle is what when you look at old European herbal books and mm-hmm. and uh, things like that, they are referencing common honeysuckle, and that was the honeysuckle that they used for medicinal purposes. Magically, it is associated with mercury and cancer. The sign, sign. the, the sign. astrological sign, yes, astrological sign, as well as Venus and the element of Earth. Hmm. The flowers can be used in magic to determine if a person is trustworthy. So you would use it as kind of a, I guess, a truth spell or something. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Serum? <laughs> Not necessarily, unless okay. you have is, an edible variety. Is there honeysuckle and veritaserum? We should yeah, find it. Yeah, right? And again, if you if you double check what you've got, if you're wild crafting, yeah. make sure that you have an edible variety. Because most people are probably going to have the ornamental varieties. I'm, I probably ate a toxic variety of honeysuckle as a child. Did. You were fine. <laughs> um, it can be burned as incense. It can be used as a money for money drawing magic. That makes sense. Um, it can also be used for hand fasting. It's it's oh. because of because uh, of the truth the thing. truth thing, but also the steadfastness. And um, if you bring it into the home, it is is the sign of a good marriage or, and helps foster, a, foster good relationship. a good relationship. It can attract luck, love, wealth. It can also protect you, your home or your garden from negative forces or energy. Hmm. If you have a variety that has a scent, it is uh, said to help clear your mind, increase psychic power, sharpen intuition, and it can sweeten a mood. <laughs> so there you go, honeysuckle. So that's it. That's For it. Gwen's garden gems. Honeysuckle is pretty much everybody's favorite. It's, it's a very, it's a very, very popular. Good, yeah. and, and the not great thing as is, as much favorite as the drink I'm going to talk about later. That's true. that's true. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say. It was also very popular in medieval days for mead. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. It'd make a very yeah. sweet mead. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And more accessible than honey. Yes. 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 Well. Well, actually, I was reading that... You don't have to fight a bee for it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, as far as accessibility, I was reading, going back to the summer solstice, that uh, it was a good time for honey to be harvested for mead making. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, because I guess they've had through the Mm -hmm. spring Mm -hmm. to build up honey stores Mm -hmm. and, you know, pollinate plants and so forth. Yep. Meanwhile, the autumn's about to start rolling in Mm -hmm. when the bees... Hibernate? Do bees hibernate? I'm not I, actually sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know some weird sun facts? Yes. Give us some weird sun facts. <laughs> so, in folkloric traditions, babies born at sunrise mm-hmm. are considered special, and they'll be blessed with a long and prosperous life. Ha! Huh. Aw, that's neat. Yeah. In the Appalachians, 
Okay. Yes, I said it that way on purpose. That is proper. <laughs> that's uh, that's is the appropriate a, way to say yep, it. There is a superstition that if you sweep your home after the sun has set, you're doomed to a life of poverty. <gasps> oh, what is that? Only sweep in the morning. Never sweeping at night. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think if I have. We are poor, so maybe I did. <laughs> maybe you did early. Oh, my God. Okay. So if Can the, I counteract it? <laughs> I, I do knew. Uh, if the sun shines during a rainstorm, it means that it will rain again the same time the next day. Interesting. Interesting. Sun during rain has a lot of uh, a lot of folklore attached to it. Yep. Yes, I can understand. A sunshiny. The first time rainstorm. I ever experienced that was when I went to college in Florida, and I was walking down the sidewalk to go to class. The sky was clear as mm-hmm. far as I could tell, and it was sunny. But it started raining. <laughs> yeah. We've actually, when we lived in Florida, we had it rain in our front yard, but not in, in our backyard. backyard. It Florida's was so wild. sunny in the backyard and like hot, and it was raining in the front yard and cloudy. And it was cold. bizarre. Yeah. It was and it so wasn't bizarre. like we lived in a mansion. We lived in like 1920s little tiny bungalow I've, type thing. I've, I've heard a few. So one of them is that I've heard that Satan's beating his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard that's a, that called a witch's wedding. Mm-hmm. Rude. <laughs> the sun does not get enough press we need to give the sun more more attention more credit we are right now <laughs> right. oh good point this episode is basically why haven't you loved the sun lately love the sun god damn it <laughs> go outside and sunbathe but wear spf appropriate because yes. you don't want to get cancer and make sure you get the right kind that doesn't have parabens because there has been studies shown that parabens in your sun block can actually make things worse Oh, it can actually increase your exposure? Yes, it yeah. can. That's mm-hmm. no good. We yeah, don't want that. No good. So a little PSA there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for your sun safety. Right. Sun safety from Gwyn. I knew a girl once whose skin was so sensitive to the sun that she had to wear, like... SPF 100? Well, she had to wear a medically yeah. prescribed sunblock on yeah. every square inch of her skin, including her eyelids. She had mm-hmm. to wear a special extra SPF on her, her eyelids. Face, yeah. 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 Never had that problem. I go out in the sun and I get burnt and then I turn brown and then I'm fine. I go out in the sun, get burnt, and I'm in the same color afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lorelai just said that she has a, a sun, sun tattoo. tattoo. Excellent. Right. Very cool. Rana says they just don't go in the sun, solves all the problems. Fair, fair. I've, I've I been actually prescribed. I've been prescribed <laughs> More that sun. I have to go into the sun. Yes, Gwyn actually has a vitamin D deficiency. So I've been spending a lot of time meditating outside, doing tending my gardens mm-hmm. and stuff. Getting more sun. Yeah, getting more yeah, sun. Yeah, I, I understand the temptation to stay away from the sun because, like I said, I burn very easily and yes. then get, get no benefit from it because I don't tan. My but, children uh, are pale. Well, my one child is pale and interesting. Uh, my son <laughs> right. is actually becoming quite tan. Yes, but you do actually need the sun for life. So please get a little bit of sun. Right. <laughs> I see that, Cuckoo Ann, that you also have to be out in the sun. Doctor's orders. Uh huh. And <laughs> hey, Litha's the the time to do it. Yep. That's right. Because there's this is you're a gonna great get time to do it. Litha, you're literally going to get the most possible sun out of the year. Right. So. Just remember to do it smart, wear a hat, mm-hmm. and safe sunscreen. Don't get. Please don't get heat stress. Celebrating no, with that. Especially if you're going to be around a bonfire on top of it being right. the probably like it'll be warm. <laughs> and yeah. I know that we all like to, you know, imbibe of the meads and the wines right. and the and the But those will dehydrate you, my friends. They, yes, so make sure you have plenty of water, please. Yes. Alternate yeah. alternate, alternate your mead yep. with alternate. water. Yeah. Stay hydrated so you can stay drunk. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> 
And then not be terribly over, you know, hanging And then, over. and then, if you want to jump over the fire, as is traditional, That's right. you will, you, you will be coordinated enough to not fall into it, hopefully. Which one is the one where they take the, the, that they was do that for, Beltane. Yes, but they also do it for Litha. Do they yeah. live? Yeah. They, they also they do it for Litha, where the they take animals the animals between yeah. fires. Between the fires yep. for yep. the smoke, the sacred yep. smoke. Yep. And themselves, too, presumably. Yes. Yep. Or, and the jumping. I'm terrible over. at the water drinking part. You I know need to, you, are. you need to remember the water part. You must drink an equivalent amount of alcohol and water. My son and I are the only ones who actually drink water in this but family. Beer, I drink water. <laughs> but beer is just water with some extra stuff added that makes it taste groovy. And also dehydrates you. Yeah. <laughs> How can water and water dehydrate It's you? what they put well, in it, dear. It's, like it's so. the hops. It's the hops. Mm, whatever. <laughs> Is actually a very good herb. Ice cubes, <laughs> rum and coke. Ice cubes count in rum and cokes, right? I <laughs> know. Yes. So, so oh, then, Tuku so, and I are like just like totally. I'm all into the rum and a coke. rum and coke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, when I was uh, when I was younger, I thought I would hate rum because I didn't like rum cake, but I am actually a fan of like a rum and coke. I made a very the best quality. rum cake. <laughs> I could not stand it. <laughs> My son loved it. No, I made a rum cake exactly one time. Uh huh. It was soaked with rum. Soaked with rum. It was so delicious. My children were very young. And my brother was all over it. I think yeah. he was maybe six. He loved that fucking cake. I had yeah. to limit him to one piece because he wanted more. Whereas I took like one bite of my one piece and was like, no, thank you. And what I'm saying is the cake had rum in it. The, the icing, icing, had, icing rum in had rum in it. And, you know, the only, it might have baked off in the cake, but definitely not in the fry. I don't think it baked it off was, in the cake either. It was, it was an awesome cake. <laughs> it was extreme, and I was too was young extreme. to appreciate it. You were. Um, I but should, now I, I, I find the over. recipe and make it again. All right. Straw poll. What's the most solar alcohol? Oh. What's the, the sunniest thing you could drink during Litha? Oberon. That's a good pull. <laughs> <laughs> Margaritas. I'm down with margaritas. Well, but is it solar, though? Well, it has lime. But is it solar, <laughs> though? Hmm. Oberon even has a sun on the label. But it's a it beer. Well, so? Yes. Beer I don't so- like beer. Well, okay, well, then you the find it, that this is what I'm asking to- you. What's a solar alcohol? I don't know. Are there very sunny wines? Sex on the beach. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Sex on the beach. Uh, and I go for mead, obviously. I go right. for a strong mead. And I don't even... I'm not a personal fan of Oberon, but it is certainly a solar It's a very yet. solar, yeah. But at MPF, at mm-hmm. Michigan Pagan Fest... That's right! We are doing Midnight, oh. midnight Margaritas. Midnight Margaritas! And I don't mean we're doing. Someone's putting yeah. this on at the community fire. We're right. going but to be we're attending. definitely going to be attending the because Midnight Margaritas. Because you cannot be a fan of Practical Magic and not do Midnight Margaritas. <laughs> we have done Midnight we Margaritas. Have. Yes, Gwyn and I have done Midnight Margaritas. I think you were out of town the yep. first time we did it, and we did like a just a day where we watched movies and we ate watched like... Practical Magic. Yeah, and we ate like snack foods and, and tiny at, cakes, and then at midnight we had margaritas. margaritas. We had midnight margaritas. It was awesome. Damn, I need not to go out of town. <laughs> well, you all need to do this more often. That's all I'm saying. We're going to have to make sure next time uh-huh. we do it, we invite your father. Yep. 
Yep. I actually like Practical Magic. Which oh, is well, perfect. Kind of weird, oh, I thought you did. I, did. That. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know you liked that yeah. movie. That's why we always try to watch it when you're not here. <laughs> okay. We're so, trying to be we're trying to be uh, solicitous, but it turned out we were just <laughs> we were depriving, depriving you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, okay. So alcohol and Practical Magic. All right. Well, and the okay. next time we watch Practical Magic and do Midnight Margaritas, you're invited. Well, Father's, <laughs> Father's Day is coming up. Oh, that's we true. We could do it for Father's Day. Yes. <laughs> practical Magic, Midnight Margaritas, and appetizer dinners. When is Father's Day? Is that this Sunday? I think that's this Sunday. Is it the uh, Sunday? God, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Or maybe matter. when we get back from Michigan Pagan Fest. Right. But right. whatever, As most we're doing are. this. And we invite all of you who are listening right. to, to do the same. To do the same. <laughs> we're not going to stream it, though. No. No. No, no but no. everyone go have Midnight Margaritas. Go have yeah. Midnight Margaritas. And play Apples to Apples. We, the other day, played Apples to Apples. Drunk. Drunk. Apple. And it was... It's fun. Yeah. Good. It was yeah. fun. Now we need to do Drunken Cards Against Humanity. I'm yes. desperate to play Cards Against Humanity. I've never played it, and I'm sure I'd be great at it. Yep. <laughs> it is fun. It's a good game. Well, now I think it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. Since we've been talking about alcohol. Oh, yep. that's true. <laughs> good. good. All right. Thank so I actually have two recipes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of them is uh, appropriate to the discussion. Yes. He, he gave us a preview. <laughs> actually, both of them are fairly. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Appropriate to this. So the first thing is beasting cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this, uh, for the cake, you need a cup of whole milk, a third a cup plus a tablespoon of honey. Okay. Which is a lot That's of honey. That's a lot of honey. Can uh, it be raw honey or does it have to be cooked honey? No, raw. Okay. Yep. One and a half teaspoons of active dry yeast, two large eggs lightly beaten, three quarters of a cup of all-purpose flour, two tablespoons of sugar, half a teaspoon of salt, one cup plus two tablespoons of bread flour. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Half a cup of unsalted butter, softened. Okay. And three tablespoons of sliced almonds. Nice. Okay. So it goes in the cake. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to make a very interesting cake. bread flour in the cake? Yeah, I was going to yes. say, that's going to make a very yep. interesting texture. That's going to make texture. a very interesting texture. Yes, it is. Okay. Indeed. And then um, after it is dried, you poke a bunch of holes in it. Uh-huh. Ah. And you pour this vanilla custard over it. Now I understand. Four egg yolks, flour. three cups of milk, half a cup of sugar, a third a cup of cornstarch, quarter of a teaspoon of salt, and three quarters of a teaspoon of vanilla. Mm. And you pour it over. So it's like a poke cake, yeah. but it's more um, extreme. Or, uh, extreme uh, yep. or a dolce de leche kind yes, of. Yes, yep, yeah. exactly. So that's the cake, and I will post that entire recipe online yeah, with, all the, all, with the all the directions and everything mm-hmm. on how to do that. And then the thing that goes along with the alcohol mm-hmm. is a elderflower champagne, mm-hmm. which takes all of five ingredients. Two gallons of water. Jeezy crazy. That's a lot of water. Two and a half pounds of sugar. Holy shit. <laughs> eight large elderflower heads. Okay. Four whole lemons. Oh my God. And four tablespoons of mild white wine vinegar. You make this shit in bulk, huh? Just hold on. I'm going to explain it to you right here. Okay. Before you do any of this, you need to make sure that your other flowers are clean and there are no little wandering insects around Uh it. Yes. Okay. So boil the water and dissolve the sugar into it. Okay. When the water is cool, you add the other flowers, the juice of two lemons, and the slices of the other two. Okay. Plus the vinegar. Mm-hmm. You cover it with a clean cloth and leave it for an entire day. Okay. I want to okay. make this. No. Then you strain it through a sieve or a piece of muslin, carefully squeezing the elderflowers to extract as much flavor as possible out of them. You okay. know, it's like when you make flowers tea. on right? Amazon. Yep. And then you store it in clean screw top bottles. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
and you leave it alone for 10 days. Oh, oof, 10 oof. days. That's oof. rough. But, so you really this is yeah, you gotta process. Have, yep. But but tinctures take six weeks. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's not so bad. It could be worse. And then you need to drink it within a month. Okay. But oh. it's it basically makes champagne. It won't be in time for and we won't be home. No, for, for Litha. But maybe Lunasad. Yeah. Let me just say though that if you're going to make this, please put it in an area where if it happens to explode in the bottle, it's not going to... <laughs> to destroy, destroy everything in your house? Yes, yeah. exactly. you yep. Or your animals? Yeah. Yep. yep, so there you go. That sounds very delicious and wonderful. Do you need to store it in a particular... Nope, doesn't need to be in a cool, dark place. Doesn't need to be in a refrigerator okay. or nothing. Just wherever. Just wherever. Yep. Just wherever. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Cool, cool. Cool, very cool. Yep. We're definitely trying that. We are trying this. Definitely. All right, and then our last review. So I don't, we don't have to intro this other than to say this is a special one. Yeah. Yes, Magnolia Pictures sent us a screener of the documentary Hail Satan? Question mark. Yeah, we we, we reached <laughs> out Satan? to them. Yes, yes. Car reached out to them, and they graciously allowed mm-hmm. us to view the film, which is currently in limited release. Yes. Correct. Yep. And it is our ardent hope yes. that, it gets that, that it will get a wider oh release. Oh my God, it deserves a, a massive audience. Hail Satan? Hail Satan, question, question mark. mark. Directed and produced, I believe, by mm-hmm. Penny Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a great name. Which is a great name. She's done a couple of other projects. But this one is about the Satanic Temple and their activities attempting to actually enforce religious equality in the United States. That's right. It's really, it's a fascinating documentary. It really, it talks with the... The The founders. The founders, and just goes from the reason that they created the Satanic Temple, Mm -hmm. the the driving force behind it, which is to promote... uh, Pluralism. Pluralism, the way it is meant to be, and separation of church and state. Yeah, separation of church and state, Mm -hmm. true religious equality. Exactly. And it, it, the whole movie just kind of showcases from their very early Mm -hmm. beginnings to what has been, you know, transpiring for the last several years. Yeah. And their attempt to get a Baphomet statue installed. Yeah. uh, What was it in Arkansas? Yeah. Correspondent to the the Ten Ten Commandments. Yeah. Yeah. And we learned some really interesting things. Watching yeah, this yeah. film. It was, it was, uh, very, very it's, well. It's, a, it's really well done. Yes, yes it's, it's very well put together. Well done. Coming from a background that has a lot of movie and, mm-hmm. and sets and, you know, all that kind of stuff in my background. It's really well done. It's yeah. filmed really well. It's put together really well. The editing is really good. Mm-hmm. Not something you necessarily expect in a lot of documentaries. Some of them are kind of choppy. Right. And yeah. Of, there's, it, it's hit or miss with documentaries. Right. And so this one was super well done as far as like, all the technical aspects yeah, well of it. Well constructed. Yes. Very well constructed. And, and interesting. Yeah, and super interesting. There was no, like, super slow parts. Right. I think there were a couple of parts there that a felt bit. a little bit, like, maybe a little draggy. But overall, I, think that can but I learned a lot film, in those yeah. Yeah. parts, too. Yeah. So, and I think that's the there were thing. There were sort of breaks in the sort of ongoing momentum yeah. to discuss sort of the history right. of, yeah. of yep. Satanism. Yep. Which I thought and was And those good. provided some really useful uh, and important context. Yes, because I think in the in the pagan community, Satanists tend to kind of get a raw deal. And here's something here's something <laughs> anybody should... on the left hand path, people like, you know, get well, here, a little weirded out. We need to discuss something really quick. Mm-hmm. First of all, the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple are two separate organizations. Yes, yep. they are. They have some differences. I've actually looked into the Church of Satan since watching this documentary, yep. and 
I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um, the Church of Satan was started by Anton, by Anton LaVey. LaVey in the 60s. Right. They are non-theistic, but they do believe in magic. Mm-hmm. And they are essentially a Randian philosophy. So if you're familiar with Anne Rand, that's the philosophy of uh, the Church yeah, of Satan. Yeah, Church. Yeah, Church of Satan. That's, yeah. that's yeah, the, the ethos of, of the Church of Satan uh, is a very individualistic, very every man for himself. Humanist. No, no, very um, socially Darwinist. Oh, sar- Darwinist. Okay. The Satanic Temple is a new organization mm-hmm. that is humanist, they is non-theistic. They do not believe in magic. They do practice ritual, but it's mostly in like a performative context. Right, like yeah. performance art. Essentially, yeah. yeah. To get so, their points across. So the Satanic Temple would probably not consider themselves pagan. Although... No. My personal feeling is that we should definitely be working with them as much as possible because their objectives mm-hmm. are very much in line with a lot of pagan objectives. Yes. Yep. But I think because it's the satanic temple, it freaks people yeah. out. And they're using that imagery deliberately, deliberately yes, yep. to freak people out. Um, but I also really liked, like, they, they say what they, and I'm not going to spoil it, you know, right. or anything. We don't want to spoil the film. But, you know, they let you know what the major tenets are of their beliefs. And they're very... They're very solid. Very yeah. solid, yeah. noble beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the tenets of the Satanic Temple, unlike the Church of Satan's tenets, which, again, I'm not a fan of, but I don't like Ayn Rand, so that's not surprising. The Satanic Temple has some very high-minded, I guess... Yes. High-minded uh, ideals. Yeah. And, and which are deliberately structured in such a way that if they ever become detrimental to the ethos of the organization, the final tenet is essentially none of these words matter. Yep. Right. If the, if, if following these tenants would hurt someone, don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I thought was really interesting is the Satanic Temple, when, you know, started by these two guys, mm-hmm. what, I don't know how many years uh, ago. About a decade. About 10 years ago. Maybe. Is now international. Yeah. It's it, gotten They huge. have chapters worldwide and they, they have been very effective in some of the things that they've been trying to do in as far as, you know, keeping the issues mm-hmm. alive. Yeah. yeah. You know, out in front of people. So I, you know, I throw my full-throated support behind the Satanic Temple. Yes. Yep. 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 Absolutely. And this movie. And, and this, this movie. movie. Yeah. The reason- Hail Satan? Question mark. Hail was, Satan. Was a was a real good ride. It yep. was. And so if you have, if you are in one of the cities, there's a website. Do we have the the website? I'll for- link it. Okay. Yeah. We'll link to the website. Go check it out. See if it's playing in an, in your area mm-hmm. or an area near you because it is in limited release. Yep. And then my um, my desperate hope is that it will get at least an online release. I'm not sure. I did kind of peruse the site, and mm-hmm. I think that you can get. I think you might be able to request it in okay. your area. Yeah. There's like a, a press package right. that you can get yep. that kind of thing. And um, hopefully, hopefully mm-hmm. they will get. Um, I don't know if this is in the works or not or, or planned, but hopefully they'll they'll get a distribution. Yeah. Deal. Everybody wants a distribution deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah. they'll get something signed. So I it. hope they'll get something signed, and yeah. we'll see them on like Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon, because this deserves a wide audience because they're giving a very, very important message, especially in the atmosphere that we have today in this country that is so theocratic. Yeah, we have a group, uh, a minority that is being supported by the current administration that is bringing forth really dangerous policies, in my opinion. And the Satanic Temple tries to deal with one of those. Yeah. And it's, it's doing good work, sort it's of. It's doing very good work in that. Sort theory. of using our existing legal framework yep. to challenge norms. Yeah. And so so I really, I support them. I mm-hmm. support the film. And we hope you guys get a chance to see it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, if you can, definitely go see yeah. it. Yeah, we were, no, definitely. We were big fans. Time. Yep. Absolutely. And it's, what, like an hour and a half? So it's yeah. not going to yeah. take yeah, a, a not... huge amount of your day. All right, so I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. I think that so covers it. You can yeah. find us in a bunch of places, but just go to www.thenumber3pagansinacat.com. And all of those places will be listed there. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel yep. and hit the notification bell if you want to watch us live while we're at Michigan Pagan Fest. That's going to be we're going to be there starting the twentieth through the twenty third of June. Of June. Yep. I'd also like to wish all of our LGBT. Oh yes, Happy Pride! Happy Pride to Happy our Pride. LGBTQ listeners. Yes. Yep, we're talking about maybe visiting a Pride event. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> we normally go, but... We, we normally go, but with MPF coming up, like... We're saving right. every penny we can to go and, to not, MPF. And, not to mention energy. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Energy and... <laughs> because it'll come up really soon uh-huh. here. But, but yeah, we just want to... We want to give a shout out. Happy Pride. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. Yep. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. See you next time. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.